Dennis Stewart, last week, when I wasn't here and you missed weren't. you, you, you spoke about the medicinal properties of the herb Vitex agnus acastus, mm, mm. which translates as? Chaste tree. And you'd like to just cover a bit I more would, about Jane, it. I would, Jane, I would. There's quite a lot of interest generated in that little talk that I gave, and I promised some of the people that called in that I would take up the subject again and elaborate on it. And Dennis Stewart, we, of course, are very happy to take your calls, 4921616, but you've got a very pretty plant in front of you with a very pretty Just for pretty you, Jane, flower. just for you, I'm, just for you. And it's the first day of <laughs> December, so I'm overwhelmed. And look, it's a beautiful specimen from my wife's front garden of the herb that we're talking about, Vitex agnus castus, commonly known as chase tree, and I would encourage all listeners to go to their nursery and get hold of this beautiful plant. It grows only to about a metre and a half. It's magic, particularly at this time of the year. It's got a beautiful spike of lavender flowers, and those flowers give way to little seeds or berries, which are the medicinal component Mm -hmm. of Vitex agnus castus. So I'm encouraging or my regular listeners, or those for the first time, to get out and buy this beautiful thing. You'll never, ever regret it. It's magic, and if you were to come to my house, you'd understand why I'm so enthusiastic about it. I have it in our home growing, and I have it on my property growing, and I use Vitex Agnes Castus probably more than any practitioner in the English-speaking world, and I don't say that glibly. A lot of people don't realise that chase tree, as we call it, that's its common name, or Vitex agnus castus, is probably one of the most popular prescribed gynaecological remedies, particularly used by European practitioners who blend a lot more of natural medications in with their pharmaceuticals. And it is from the German literature in particular and from the writings of that great man, Dr. Rudolf Weiss, a great medical practitioner and a great phytotherapist, that's the technical term they use, He is the one that has given the best clinical information, I believe, in his book called Herbal Medicine. And I mentioned that to the many listeners out there, pharmacists and pharmacy assistants, naturopaths and herbalists, and even the general public, that Weiss's book, the classical work, Herbal Medicine, is one of the most magnificent and credible texts that one can get on modern herbal medicine. Weiss presented Vitex Agnus Castus as one of the most significant remedies that women in particular should know about for handling many of the distressing problems that many women experience throughout their life. And I mentioned a couple of them last week, but I will quickly uh, mention the most, uh, how can I call it, well-known areas where Vitex is used and prescribed in Europe and where it is equally used now by natural therapists, particularly herbalists in this country. What is commonly known colloquially known as the premenstrual syndrome and that is a syndrome which is well recognized medically it is a syndrome that asserts itself particularly in the second stage of the cycle so to speak where many ladies experience symptoms uh, associated with depression and sometimes significant depression uh, go through periods of irritability and significant irritability which put pressure on their relationship And also in that context, they can experience what's called nostalgia or very significant breast discomfort, engorgement and swelling. They are the indications that have made Vitex preparations 
so useful, particularly in Europe, and there would be many women in this town that would vouch for the benefit of using Vitex to address those symptoms that I've spoken about. And I say to people perhaps who aren't aware of it, ladies in particular and young women in particular, it's very appropriate to younger women conditions. If you are experiencing those distressing symptoms, don't overlook the potential benefit. And I say potential benefit because no herb addresses everything for everybody. But for any young lady experiencing symptoms such as that, or not just young ladies, I would suggest, I would suggest you seriously consider uh, seeing a natural therapist, a doctor who practices integrated medicine, a pharmacist, and give Vitex a go. Don't expect an overnight benefit. As I've said frequently on this program, the downside to herbs is that their gentleness frequently requires an extended period of time for them to optimise their benefit. But as far as I'm concerned, there is no remedy that I use more than Vitex in addressing a multitude of symptoms that many women present with. We'll talk more about it as we go along. Rosa has rung in from Glendale. You've got a question about Ross River fever, Rosa. Yes, please. Hello, Rosa. Hello, Dennis. My blood test six weeks ago Mm -hmm. showed that I had been recently infected Mm -hmm. with Ross River virus. Mm -hmm. Yes. And all I can take is Panadol because I take blood pressure medication. Yes, yes. But my pharmacist recommended that I take Ostragalus 8. I I think your pharmacist has given you good advice. Oh, Um, good. (laughs) I I, I see Ostragalus 8, and you would expect me to say this because I introduced the formula to Australia probably 25 or 30 years ago and developed the first product range incorporating Astragalus 8. But it is not just something that I promote for the sake of promoting it. My enthusiasm for recommending Astragalus as a remedy useful for recovering from many of these viral infections, Ross River fever, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr virus, is based by my understanding of its definition in Asian medicine as a recovery remedy working significantly via the immune system. And it's interesting that only yesterday I gave the same advice uh, to a couple that uh, came to see me from up, I think it was Anna Bay, and the lady had just similarly been diagnosed with this particular virus. I would be very surprised if Astragalus didn't hasten your recovery. You were probably feeling very fatigued. Yes, I sit down to read a book watch yes, television and yes, I go to sleep. Yes, and this, this seems to be a corollary to many of these uh, viral infections, the ones particularly that I've mentioned, that they tend to leave in their wake what we call chronic fatigue syndrome, and unfortunately some of them also leave behind an increased tendency to experience ongoing assaults on the immune system with a propensity to go down with viral infections uh, faster than previously. So Astragalus 8 is sometimes referred to in, in our popular liter- literature as a recovery remedy. And I like that terminology. It's a recovery remedy. And as far as I'm aware, it's unlikely to interact with your antihypertensive medication. I know the, oh, herbs, in it, I know the herbs in it fa- fairly well. Your pharmacist would not have recommended it to you had there been any reservations about that. And in all my prescribing of it, and I would probably be uh, the person in the Western world that has dispensed 
more astragalus ate than anyone else. I don't say that oh. in, in any egotistical sense, but no. I, I congratulate your pharmacist for giving you that advice, and I'm glad to see that pharmacists uh, are really doing what they're well-trained to do, and that is to give good advice on complementary medicine, and I pride myself on the fact that, it, particularly in this town, I was responsible probably 20 years ago for graduating a group of pharmacists, many of whom uh, took up complementary medicine in their practices, and who remain very, very good and loyal friends to me. Ah, very good. And is it necessary to take more than two tablets once a day? Okay, I think on the container you'll find that the dose of the tablets is two once or twice daily. That's correct. Okay, look, my advice is initially start off with with an upper dose to give yourself a good loading, so to speak, and then drop down to, to a maintenance dose. And what I would say is that even if you're starting to feel well really quickly, as I would expect that would happen, give yourself a, a couple of months on it, even when you're feeling well. Oh, okay. Thank you very much for that. I just wanted to confirm, you know, what my father no, good. had said. He knows what he's doing. Thank you kindly for that, Dennis. Thank Bye. You, Rosa. Bye. Thank you, Rosa. 49216216 is the number for your question. Now, back to Vitex, Agnes, mm. Castus, Dennis, or the chaste mm. tree. You've talked a bit about PMS. Yes, as... let's, let's go a little bit further on it because mm-hmm. I just don't want it to be seen as something that one just uses um, for that particular condition. It has many more um, what you might call medical uh, conditions that it can be used for. One condition that is very useful, quite apart from what I've said, is that in, in some women, they tend to experience unusual symptoms that occur in the second phase of the cycle. Uh, in this particular phase, um, some women, um, mainly younger women, but not always, will experience, if you like, regular episodes of, of acne. Acne will break out, and and, uh, it has a a hormonal basis because in the literature uh, and in lay terminology, uh, Vitex agnus castus is seen as a hormone balancer, and I'll not elaborate on that. The literature will confirm that. And so conditions like acne that breaks out, some patients also will experience uh, mild uh, dermatitis. I have a patient uh, in that situation that does very, very well as a result of taking Vitex. The small amount of, of dermatitis that she was experiencing, particularly facially, has significantly retreated. So those sorts of things that occur, weird things that would not seem to be directly related uh, to the cycle, they seem to have a propensity to respond to Vitex. So even in cases where uh, ladies have no uh, PMS, where they are experiencing recurring conditions, facial conditions, a bit of acne, a bit of term- dermatitis, and these regularly occur, say in that last stage of the cycle, particularly for the, before the period, that is a time when I would be recommending that Vitex agnus castus be given a try. And again, I say, over a number of months. So that's an area where it's, it is dramatically underappreciated. And it is a medical area, and it disappoints me that perhaps it's not as well known as it should be. The treating of those lesions with antibiotics and topical applications, good as it might be, can be bettered, in my opinion, by addressing the hormonal dysfunction the imbalance between estrogen and progesterone, using Vitex with its hormone balancing characteristics, the results frequently are very, very pleasing, Jane. From Valentine. Hello, Judith. You've got hi, Jane. Split... Hi, hi, Dennis. Hello. 
Split fingernails are your... Yeah, they split right down the middle. Mm. There's three on the one hand. They just completely split and they don't grow out. They just keep on splitting all the time. And right had, down the middle of... You've had these for a fair while, Judith, oh, have you? I can't get, yeah, I okay. have. What have you tried? Well, nothing. Oh, strong nails. Just Okay. You know, Look, a couple of little things that won't cost you very much money. I always think that these conditions warrant being looked at from perhaps a mild deficiency situation, and I'm impressed with the literature that I read uh, as to the role that minerals may have in addressing this sort of condition. So I'd be suggesting two things to start with, which you could procure very easily from your health food store at Warners Bay. They would know what I'm talking about. Um, I would suggest that what you do is go and get a supplement of silica. Now, that is that is an oral supplement. It would come as a tablet. Uh, it's very safe. And at the same time, while you're there, get hold of a zinc supplement. Zinc? Zinc supplement. Oh, I take zinc okay. every day. Well, that's Quite, good. That's yeah, good. I take zinc. Well, if you're doing that, I suggest what you do is append to it the silica okay. and give that a bit of a run. I'd be surprised if it didn't do something. On the other hand, uh, some fingernail conditions can be associated with uh, pathologies. There might be a fungal condition or an infection, but I presume your GP's had a look at that and ruled out that possibility. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the fingernail. Okay, so it's just a simple splitting of it. Look, try the silica as a start. Okay. Now, I've got spider veins that I've had done. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm left with all these bruising, and uh-huh. someone told me, she said not to worry about vein away or any of those products, but someone told me about Arnica. Is that okay. right? Arnica should not be taken orally. Arnica should only be taken orally in what's called a homeopathic form, and in that form, that indication that you're talking about is not that relevant. Arnica is an agent that is used topically, and by topically we mean that it is applied to the skin. Let me emphasise Arnica as a, as a crude herb or tincture should not be used orally. It has problems. It should only no. be used homeopathically. But if you have bruising, Arnica is a reasonable option. That's its main indication as an ointment or as a lotion. And again, I'd, I'd be surprised if you weren't able to procure an Arnica ointment, say, from the health food store at Warners Bay there. Yes. They would Thanks. stock that. Give that okay. a go. It's very safe when used topically. On the other hand, if you have vein problems, uh, are you an elderly person, a young person? Uh, Seventy-two. Oh well, you're still pretty youthful. You sound yes, very. I am. <laughs> you sound. You sound very youthful, Judith. Yeah. You, you sound nearly as youthful as I am, and I'm ninety-three. No, no, no I'm only joking. My age. <laughs> only joking. <laughs> Look, what I suggest you do also is contemplate supplementing your diet with what are called bioflavonoids. Now, bioflavonoids are well known for their ability to be able to address uh, vein conditions, to lessen their fragility, and that might give some encouragement for better vein uh, health. They're natural things, bioflavonoids. They're inexpensive. And of all the things that I would recommend to people who suffer uh, vein problems like you have experiencing there, the bioflavonoids, in my opinion, would be the cheapest and the most regarded. Are they in the product? Are they in vitamin C tablets? Your vitamin C usually uh, comes with bioflavonoids, but That's... what you should be looking for is one that is predominantly 
based on bioflavonoids with vitamin oh, okay. C. And the major bioflavonoid to think about for um, varicose conditions, for venous conditions generally, is a bioflavonoid spelt R-U-T-I-N, rutin. Rutin, okay. And it's got a good reputation. Okay. Thanks very much, Dennis. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. Now we're moving to Lambton and Helen. And Helen, you've got a question about multiple sclerosis. Oh, yes. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Um, Helen. How are you? Good. I've got secondary regressive um, MS. Mm. And I'm on Wasania um, capsules that I have, you know, morning and night, as well as the Mineral Max, and I'm following a herbalist actually in New Zealand. But I heard you little you're talking about that extra whatever eight this morning, and I'm just wondering whether that would help me. Look, astragalus eight would only be relevant if you are experiencing ongoing uh, infections, viral, bacterial, or whatever. I would not see that it would have any significant uh, benefit with your diagnosis. And by the way, I would also have reservations about placing too much confidence in withania. I know a lot about withania. I would think that that you'd be very optimistic to see any um, significant result from that, but time might tell. Yeah, well, I've been on it nearly a year now, and I'm just... I'm grabbing it so I feel like I'm I think you're wasting it I think you're wasting your time with withania there um, are other things now in, you're at Lambton in my new in my rooms at New Lambton I have a book a very credible text uh, written on multiple sclerosis and some of the more credible approaches that uh, can be used to try if you like um, if you can get into my rooms at 39 Alma Road my receptionist would happily show you the book and give you the information. I haven't got it in front of me, obviously, but I've been impressed with what I've been reading. So if you're going to try to help yourself, and I applaud you for doing that, make sure that you're not just you know, grasping at straws, that you're not buying, money, uh, buying product on the net, that you're not looking at, at herbs as having miraculous properties for this. I don't accept that. But go down to New Lambton or ring my number there and they will give you the name of the book which is a credible text which I have used for my uh, CPE points, that is, uh, professional points that I need to get each year. It's one of the texts that um, I use there to um, to claim some points. It's very credible. So, okay. all right. All the very... Well, Mm-hmm. All right. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Helen. 49216216 for your question for Dennis Stewart on Health Naturally today. I think, I think we need to just say something on that, Jane. I get a little bit um, distressed lately with what I see a, a lot of people doing, um, particularly uh, purchasing uh, products from overseas, in inverted commas, um, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but one of the things that listeners should realise is that in this country, uh, products that are complementary medical products as well as pharmaceuticals, they have to be approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration and um, a lot of claims that are made for products made in other countries uh, would not be accepted here in Australia simply because the evidence doesn't support some of the exaggerated claims I would consider that are made for many overseas products. So again, I understand people reaching out, and I applaud that, but I would say to listeners, particularly those struggling with, with some nasty conditions, be cautious with what you read on the net, 
be cautious with the products that offer all sorts of things, and before you use anything, search the literature for credible information to support what you might be anticipating doing. Always good advice, Dennis. Well, uh, we've talked about a couple of uses mm. for the chaste tree. Chaste tree. And, you know, as, as a matter of interest, I know people think this is quite jocular, but um, chaste tree, the, the name came from the fact that a chronic use of the herb by males can lead to a, a reduction in libido. Now, a lot of people think that, oh, that's very, you know, laugh and throw their heads back. In fact, the name of the herb is also monk's pepper. And it was used, as you might realise, <laughs> I notice you're giggling there, Jane, but it was used in the, uh, in the Middle Ages in monasteries, etc., to keep uh, some of the monks uh, more focused on spiritual disciplines rather than anything else. And, and interestingly, uh, the, the literature refers to the, this aspect of Vitex as uh, valid. It has what's called anti-androgenic characteristics, which makes it useful for addressing some androgen-based conditions in the right dose, things such as acne. So acne can be even helped in males by using the correct dosage of Vitex, where its mild anti-androgenic characteristics lessens some forms of acne. So all I would say to males, make sure that you have listened to the program properly today and don't start using it for purposes that might not be indicated. And if you notice your voice getting rather squeaky or anything, you can vouch for the fact that it's not for you. I'm only joking, Jane. (laughs) Um, Which actually brings me to this question. If you've got it growing in your garden, Mm. um, and can you actually do something with it yourself to prepare it to... I'm going to surprise you, Jane, when I say, way back when I was practising at Warunga and depending very much on Vitex, we had a supply crisis. The government had ceased allowing the crude herb into the country. It was brought to my notice that on the North Shore, in some of the older houses that would have been built around the 30s and that, Vitex was a popular plant. We were able to gather Vitex agnus castus berries from very interested and congenial and generous people on the North Shore, and we made our own tincture from it. Ah, well done. So it's, uh, it's better to get somebody to do that for you, is it? Look, it is. And, it if, if you're going to make, uh, use herbs seriously, you must recognise the fact that they must be made uh, to a proper formula using a proper solvent. For instance, Vitex could not be easily used as a tea because it contains an aromatic oil, and aromatic oils are not water-soluble. So Vitex could only be used successfully in a more sophisticated form as a tincture where an alcohol solvent is used or where a powdered extract is used which forms the basis of most modern pharmaceutical renditions of the substance. Ah, yes, otherwise in your mm. garden it's just a very pretty plant. Oh, it looks lovely. I, and what's more, my bees uh, thrive on this as well and I'm hoping that my ingestion of the honey from the hives in my backyard based on this have no significant hormonal deprivation. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. This is Health Naturally on to a new RFM. We're being a bit funny today. It's that time of the year. And Ruth has rung in from Rathmines, and um, you're after a detox, Ruth. Yes, I want to know if drinking slices of ginger, like 
the root ginger, boil it in water, let it cool and drink it, is that okay? Well, ginger is a very safe herb in most cases. Um, the only uh, problem with ginger is some people might find it a little bit too spicy and if they have something like a reflux or something like that, it, it could irritate, but not normally. Um, ginger is, is a herb that has benefits and is very popularly prescribed in our system of medicine as it is also prescribed in most traditional systems of medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, as far, and also Western medicine use a lot of ginger. Now I'll explain how ginger is classified. Ginger is seen in Western herbal medicine as a circulatory stimulant, and it belongs to a category of herbs of which itself and cayenne are good examples. And circulatory stimulants are agents which, if incorporated into one's daily usage, can improve to a degree circulation, particularly to the extremities. So people that experience ongoing poor peripheral circulation, uh, cold legs, etc., that are worse in wintertime, frequently get better by using, say, ginger tea regularly across the day for that purpose. And I stock ginger as a health food store would also do, particularly to cover that uh, contingency. So it's a good herb to work to promote circulation. On the other hand, it is a useful herb also for people that get uh, nasty uh, respiratory infections, continual respiratory infections. What ginger seems to have is a particular propensity to improve a blood flow to the lungs and develop a better flow of white blood cells into the respiratory tissue. So ginger, of all those warming herbs, has a reputation for being a specific in chronic, settled respiratory conditions. It's a great remedy for warming the lung, as Asian herbalists would refer to it. And the other thing about uh, ginger also is that it is a, a great remedy to improve the overall functioning of the digestive system. And many digestive systems, particularly as we get older, tend to be cold and inactive, where there are a lot of accompanying symptoms of burping and wind and colic. A regular use of a gentle spice like ginger can work to improve the whole chemistry of digestion and settle a lot of the symptoms of bloating and wind, etc. That's how I would see it, and I would encourage any listener who is able to tolerate spices to incorporate them into their diet, and ginger is a good starting base. Well, I put, I cut slices uh -huh. of the ginger root, yeah. and I put it in a litre and a half of water with uh -huh. a, just a squeeze of lemon, uh -huh. and boiled it for 15 minutes and then let it go cold, like cool it down, uh -huh. and you drink it. Also, what I want to know, to do with the ginger, does it have, I want to say, repercussions <laughs> with your bladder or black bowel? Okay, being being a being a spicy herb, it may stimulate it may stimulate your digestive process and mildly irritate, uh, in some cases beneficially the large bowel, so that your transit time, to use technical language, might be accelerated a bit. Uh, that can be to the better in some people. I've not found, however, that it, it is embarrassingly so. What I have found is that it can, in some cases, cause a degree of irritation in the upper gut, which means that many people can't tolerate it. Okay. Right. That answer your question, Ruth? Yeah, so if I drink this litre and a half of, 
of water, how often would I drink that? Say, do it over a period of a week and then give it a rest? Oh, look, that would be very, very difficult to say. I would think that the preparation you're taking would be very dilute, and I'd be surprised if it did you any damage. If you're enjoying it, I think that's the most important point. And that's always important. Ginger's such a good spice. It's a great remedy. Yes. You wouldn't need to boil it as long as that, would I you? I don't think so. A little bit so, Sometimes boiling yeah. those spicy herbs with their aromatic constituents yes. tends to negate some of their benefits. So if you wanted to have it hot, just put some boiling water on it and that's a like good idea. tea. Good idea. Do and it that it. way. You'd ginger tea. Ginger tea. Infuse it yes. rather than boil it. Rather than boil mm. it. Yeah. Now, we did have Sue um, who rang up before and she's not stayed on the line, but she has uh, red swollen... Oh, sorry, her husband, um, she wanted to talk about, has red swollen legs that get very itchy and sometimes he scratches until they bleed. Have you got any, any suggestions yeah, look, this for is, her, Dennis? This is a nasty condition and the problem with this sort of condition is that if it's not well managed medically, it can lead to a cellulitis, which is a, a nasty infection that could be unless well managed very dangerous it sounds as though this dear man has got what's called varicose eczema or varicose dermatitis that's a very common condition now it's a hard condition to treat um, but there's a couple of things that might be of benefit certainly I found them of use in patients but I would say here that knowing the nature of this condition, um, any recommendation, recommendation I make should be passed by the general practitioner, whom I'm sure would have no objection to what I'm going to say. I have found uh, that what are called bioflavonoids are useful for addressing this condition, and there are multiple reasons why bioflavonoids might be of use in addressing the swelling and also the accompanying inflammation that seems to be in that condition. Your doctor would understand why bioflavonoids such as quercetin and rutin in conjunction with vitamin C uh, would be useful agents to assist circulatory activity and lessen some of the inflammatory chemistry. So I would be suggesting you discuss with your GP the ongoing use of a good preparation of bioflavonoids in the correct dosage. As far as the itch and the irritation is concerned, uh, I have great confidence as far as part of the management is concerned in using good old-fashioned pine tar products. I believe I saved a lady's leg at Swansea probably 20 years ago by recommending that she began to regularly use a pine tar-based liquid preparation to ease the itch which had caused so much episode of cellulitis that her leg was almost unmanageable. Your doctor would understand my enthusiasm for recommending preparations incorporating uh, a pine tar agent and something as simple as, as, as uh, Hamilton's pine tar and menthol lotion. A great little product, but not as well known in my opinion as it should be. Menthol, again your doctor would understand, as would your pharmacist, Menthol is a remarkable agent for cooling the skin and addressing the itch condition. And when in that preparation it's combined with a little bit of pine tar, I know it works because all my life I've battled ongoing episodes of, <coughs> of, of eczema. And I know that preparation gives relief, as do many other preparations that incorporate a pine tar and menthol basis. I understand your husband's situation. It's a nasty condition. Uh, scratching, unfortunately, brings with it the potential for infection. That brings with it the potential for ulceration. 
and also for cellulitis. Mention what I have said to your good GP. I'm sure there'll be no reservations about that. Thank you, Sue, for your question. And one last question today, Dennis, comes from John, who's rung in from East Maitland. Uh, And it's all to do with our discussion about ginger. Is ginger paste as good good for us as fresh ginger? That's your question, John? Yes, that's my question. John, I'm always a a fan for using stuff as close to nature as one can get. So um, if people are growing their turmeric, if people are growing their ginger, I I applaud them for doing that. Uh, On the other hand, in in culinary circles, um, pastes of garlic, of ginger and cayenne have stood the test of time. And in fact, my my refrigerator would stock pace of each one of those so i think it would be a little unfair to say one is better than the other albeit i'm naturally biased in the direction of freshness and i'm definitely biased to the idea of getting the garden going um and and using what you produce that's that's a balanced answer john without alienating too many people that might be using more sophisticated (laughs) preparations not a problem i do use fresh garlic yeah good on you Good on you. I cook, cook with that and I cook with the ginger. I just put the ginger I, paste in I, it. I bet you haven't got many friends. Um, <laughs> well, surprisingly, they still do because they want the ginger. Oh, okay. the, the garlic. So you, 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 you wouldn't offend me. <laughs> no. Oh, that's a great comment. <laughs> I don't comment. give them either. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, Thanks very much. Okay, John. And, of course, uh, if you eat lots of garlic, I think um, the effect or the outside noticeability uh, decreases. Is that what they say? Well, I reckon that's I've never right. noticed that, but never mind. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't worry me anyway. Look, and you get used to it. If you move amongst a lot of Mediterranean people, you get used to garlic. If you move a lot amongst a lot of people from the Middle East, you get used to the smell of fenugreek. So you you've got to get do. used to it. <laughs> and that's Health Naturally for today, back next Friday. It's 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.